It's time to meet the parents. A progressive and momentous step in a new, budding relationship. This could be the make or break moment for the relationship. Of course, apprehension and anxiety will consume the newcomers. He meets the new parents. Will they like me? What do they like? What are their interests? In this case, there's a young black man venturing to his white girlfriend's secluded estate. His apprehension lies in his race. Do they know I'm black? His girlfriend assures him it's not a problem. Her father would have voted for Obama a third time if he could. But be careful. Not all troubles lie above the surface. Some tensions remain dormant, sunken below the surface. These tensions seep out and rip and tear at the fabric of our being. Or worse, they'll control our minds. Stay woke. Don't close your eyes. This is It Records. Hello, everybody. Hello, you creatures of the night. Welcome back to the podcast. This week, as always, I am one of your hosts, Matt Johnson, and I am joined by the ever-charming, the magnanimous uh, Pete Hansen and uh, Lindsay Clark. Welcome, guys. How you doing? You didn't really give hey, Lindsay guys. the introduction. You just kind of like slapped it on onto mine. Well, That's not very fair, Matt. We- well, you know what happened there was, that was meant anything. to be a misdirect that I was going to say, Lindsay, because I always call you ever charming, but Pete came out of my mouth because, you know, Pete, it's, it was just, it's what I always do. It's just muscle memory at this was point. It the, I screwed it up. Was it the hair toss that got you distracted? It, it was, yeah. I just, my eyes glossed <laughs> over and I, I lost all control. Thank you for being honest. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah, it was meant to go to Lindsay, so <laughs> sorry, Pete. You can't have them all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, uh, thanks for joining us if you're listening in. This week we did the 2017 film, directed by Jordan Peele, and written by Jordan Peele, Get Out. You got your toothbrush? Check. Do you have your deodorant? Check. Do you have your cozy clothes? Got that. What? Do they know I'm black? Should they? You might wanna, you know. Mom and Dad, my black boyfriend will be coming up this weekend. I just don't want you to be shocked, but he's a black man. <laughs> I ain't never seen you like this before, bruh. Meeting families, taking road trips. Don't come back all bougie, man. Come back, get your damn pants up to your damn stomach. So you guys coming up from the city? Yeah, we're just heading up for the weekend. Can I see your license, please? He wasn't driving. I didn't ask who was driving. I asked to see his ID. Call me Dean and you're hungry, my man. So how long has this been going on, this this thing? (laughs) (laughs) We hired Georgina and Walter to help care for my parents. When they died, I couldn't bear to let them go. smoke in front of my daughter i'm gonna quit she'd take care of that for you how hypnosis i'm good actually you ready for this i'm back in the beat so look i go do my research apparently a whole bunch of brothers been missing in this suburb but it's cool bro how are you not scared of this man couldn't see another brother around here chris was just telling me how he felt much more comfortable with my being here Get out. Sorry, man. Okay. Get out! Yo! <laughs> Rose, we gotta go. Is everything okay? Rose, the keys. Just get the keys. I don't know where they are. Rose! 
sink into the floor. Wait, 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 wait. Sink. Terrible thing to waste. Terrible thing to waste. If there's too many white people, I get Lindsay, this was was your choice for this week, correct? Yes, it was. Yes. And what uh, I guess what drew you to Get Out? Um, there was a lot of buzz about it. I mean, it already came out almost a year ago at this point, but um, mm-hmm. I went and saw it and saw it in theaters because I think you know if you had the chance to, it was definitely the best experience to see the movie in. Um, and. I just, I remember it, like, stuck with me for days. Like, I was so, like, enthralled by, like, you know, this was Jordan Peele's, like, debut film. He wrote it. He directed it. Um, you know, there's definitely the elements of thriller and horror in there, but there's also some comedy in there, too. And um, I just thought it was, honestly, my favorite, like, horror slash thriller of 2017. So I wanted to do a podcast on this one at some point. Cool. And... Did we all see it in theaters then, Pete? Did you go see it? Yeah, I, when it came out? I did. I saw it. Yeah. I want to say it was like April when that movie came out. Yeah. It was like early spring, I feel like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, well, for those of you who haven't seen this movie, get on it. Uh, it's Get the out. The movie takes place... Get get <laughs> out from whatever you're doing. You know, people doing laundry, listen to the podcast. Get out. Go watch it. Um, it, it follows a young African-American man who's to meet his white girlfriend's parents for a weekend um, in their estate in the woods. But before long, the friendly and polite ambiance uh, gives way to a nightmare. And I feel like that's the most, it's kind of a broad description of the movie, but I feel like you can't go too in-depth into this movie without spoiling it. I feel like there's a lot of spoilers in this movie if you really begin to talk about it. Because it's very, a very subtle film. Uh, you guys had similar feelings. You would say it's subtle. I would say there's, um, well, maybe not in its uh, its intent, but it's a lot of its symbolism. I think a lot of stuff is meant to be. Um, you pick up, you could pick up on from the very beginning just certain shots, um, colors, and directions that Jordan Peele used um, that can go deeper than what the movie showed you and told you. Mm-hmm. So subtle, subversive in that respect. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess, like, yeah, I could see where, uh, like, in the beginning, it is more subtle, but then, like, last 30 minutes, probably not even that, probably, like, 45 minutes, it's like, oh, this is overtly doing something. Mm, fair enough. Sure. Um, you mean once our main protagonist is in the basement? That sort of last 40 minutes of the movie. Even a little bit before that, I feel like... Yeah, definitely then, but mm-hmm. um, there's like... I feel like when the brothers introduce, you kind of get... It starts to change in tone mm-hmm. to where 
um, like kind of like this person is having like a weird interaction and you're just like, what's this guy up to kind of thing. I don't know. It's kind of how I thought about it when I first, when I, I remember first seeing it, I was like, I guess we're, we're kind of like going to spoiler, spoiler territory here where he was this, the brother was being pretty racist right off the bat. Not off the bat, but like he like just kind of like, I don't know, just dove right in and then he was just saying like really weird things and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was like one of it's- the first moments of I guess real tension between the families, which we know it comes up later, but before that it was kind of easygoing for him and meeting the parents until the brother really sets the tone at the dinner table. Yeah. Like before there mm-hmm. were, you could see like I guess you would say like subtle racism. Mm-hmm. Um and then like that is when it was becoming like more overt. Mm-hmm. And then it just picks sure. and it just picks up from there. Yeah. yeah, there wasn't really anything subtle about the Jeremy character. No, not at all. I wasn't the biggest fan of that character. I mean, the actor's, yeah. the actor's fine, but that character really creeped me out throughout the film. Wait, which one? Completely. Her brother. Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't like him because he was really ugly. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. And then it just it adds on to what... What are his thoughts, too? You're like, well, you're ugly, and I don't like your thoughts. So. Yeah, exactly. Not yeah. a fan. Yeah. Had a weird mustache, yeah. and he's a, his whole look was weird. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he had, like, really long hair and, like, a ponytail and, like, was into UFC. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, you're you're that guy. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. Which, oh, I don't want to go... Spoilers, who cares? <laughs> Go see the movie. But I thought an interesting callback was there's that whole dinner scene we're talking about where her brother Jeremy's talking about, you know, UFC and fighting. And if our main character, Chris, correct, is his name, uh, is into fighting or UFC. And they talk about like jujitsu and fighting. You know how it's, you gotta be like three steps ahead. Well, in the end, where they are engaged in a fight and he's like reaching for the door, Chris is to try to get out. Um, he opens the door twice and the brother kicks it shut. And on the third time he reaches for the door knowing he's going to kick it. And that's when he stabs him in the knee and gets out of the house. Mm-hmm. That's a callback to he likes jujitsu. He wasn't doing really jujitsu, but it's that thought process of thinking ahead. Yeah. That was an interesting callback. Nice catch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't really think about it that way. I just thought he just like, like he was just pick, like he was just definitely like tricking him. Like I didn't think of it. Yeah, jiu jitsu kind of way, mm-hmm. but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So yeah, there's a little tidbit. Mm-hmm. So we mentioned that uh, Jordan Peele was the writer and director of this from the television show He and Peele, <laughs> and this is direct his directorial debut. Yeah, and I believe, as far as yes. I'm aware, his his written debut as well as a sole mm-hmm. writer. I know he's probably done some writing but yeah I, I can't think of anything else at the moment i wonder if he wrote um because his working partner um i, I always i always forget his name keegan is a keegan michael yeah uh, 
Keegan Michael Key. Keegan Michael Key. Yeah, that's his name. I God, I could never remember Jordan it. Peele. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, he did a movie, uh, Don't Think Twice. And it's like a comedy, and I I don't I don't know if he was involved with that at all, but like that just came to mind because I know they've been the working partners, and I wonder if they worked together at all in that movie, or if he was, or if Keegan was just in the movie. Sure. Yeah. I w- yeah, I wasn't sure about that one because I I know he writes clearly. He's a comic, but yeah, yeah, he this is his first t- attempt at directing, and it was in the horror genre, which I think people see in the trailer. At least for me. I was a little taken aback by seeing his name flash across for this horror movie when it was first coming out. Get Out by Jordan Peele. And I looked at it and I was like, it's supposed to be a comedy that I'm not getting? Or what is it? So yeah. it was kind of interesting going into it. I think the movie definitely has like comedic elements, which I feel like elevates the horror substance that's there. And I like that because it kind of gives you like a break. It kind of gives you a breather. So like... Like the the set of tension kind of gets reset, and then like when something crazy happens, you're even more surprised. And I like mm-hmm. when a horror movie does that because if it's just like constant tension, it can be good. But like if you don't execute it in the best way, you could really lose that with like I don't know, it's something that you missed out on. But if you have like comedy or just like good acting, you could carry it better. Because like this movie also had really good actors, like. The parents were like, you recognize them. They're good actors. The girlfriend was a good actress. And then the, mm-hmm. the main guy, obviously. I think he's in the Black Bear episode, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah. And he he was really good. Yeah. Um, it's interesting Yeah, you make that point. Because I think horror and comedy have a lot of similarities where if you're good at one, you... They kind of hit that same psyche sometimes or that same emotional release that people are looking for. And Jordan Peele said in an interview he wanted to go into the horror because comedy is very similar in the sense of it's all about timing, as you were saying, Pete, and all about uh, reveal. So you could lose people if you don't like build that tension or build that joke, um, and it's, it'll fall flat. So he said he was familiar with that sort of writing, but he just needed to take it in the darker side. Yeah. I think um, it's easy for a comedian to do that because their comedy kind of delves into like dark subjects and they're trying to make it funny but then they all they have to do is talk about a dark subject and keep it dark mm-hmm. and it, it's kind of funny that you mentioned like a, a comedian like doing horror but like now you got um oh god what's his name he's in like tropic thunder danny mcbride that's his name he's gonna like write the new halloween movie oh yeah and, is that right yeah did you, did you guys not know that i no. did not know yeah mm-hmm. he's uh he's working on the new halloween movie or a remake, or whatever you want to call it, sequel. It's, who fucking knows at this point? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's technically supposed to be a sequel. Yeah. Is, but who knows what it will come out being. I think it's supposed to take place after Halloween 20 years later, if I'm not mistaken. Because okay. Jamie Lee Curtis is in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Which, yeah. you know, I don't know how that makes sense, because they killed her off in one of the Halloween in Resurrection. <laughs> oh, they'll make it happen. <laughs> That didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, that movie. That movie's. That, movie. <laughs> that movie's garbage. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I guess, full spoilers. We kind of talked a little bit about the movie, but maybe like the crux of maybe what the reveal is. Um, as he, we we've said that he's going to his girlfriend's parents' house, and there's something lying beneath the surface. Something's off. They, you kind of get that tension. Um, but then what it turns out to be. 
is the family is actually part of a group of people. I think the uh, do you guys remember the name of it? Like the, the society? Co- no. <laughs> They're like uh, the Coagula. Coagula. Is that the Coagula? I think it's Coagula. With the transplantation. Behold, the Coagula. <laughs> and essentially what it is, is it's, you know, taking the consciousness or certain, the brain, I guess, of certain black individuals and placing them into white individuals who win the right to that person based on an auction-based system. Yeah, it's slavery. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what the the symbolism or the theme is meant to be through that. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. I remember the first time seeing the auction scene and not actually, like, getting it because I was just very confused Mm because, like, they're like, let's play bingo or whatever. And they were using the bingo cards kind of, like, as signals to place bets yeah and then he was just like doing number numbers and then like you just see his picture and i was just like wait what what's going on <laughs> like i just was so confused and like really creeped out by that scene the first time i saw it and then like as the movie unfolded i got it but like i just the first time i saw it, i was just like very confused mm-hmm. and i don't know why yeah well it it's kind of I think he does a good job of building that tension in the story of you don't really know what's going on. You know that's weird, that scene, like the bingo scene where they're silently auctioning him, auctioning uh, Chris off because there's, there's a picture of Chris yeah. standing yeah. next to uh, the father. So it's weird, but you'd like, well, we don't have any clue what they're doing. They seem like fine people, but this is like really weird and out of the norm. And why are all these people here? And it's just a good job of building up what will be the reveal later on. Mm-hmm. I was also bummed uh, when I was that character. Cause like, he was like a side character that was blind and like admired uh, Chris's work. And I was like, yes. Hey, that guy seems like a good guy because he's like, fuck those other people that are being racist to you. And I was like, yeah, fuck those people. Mm-hmm. And then, Oh, he's just part of this crazy cult that they have in this community. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it, it adds a nice bit of relief, like as he's at that party, because everybody's like, "Oh, is it true what they say about uh, black men and stuff like that?" And it's like really uncomfortable that he's asking Chris these questions, and then he seems to be like, because he's blind, he can't see his color. So maybe Chris is like, "I'll kind of talk to him, and he'll treat me normally." And you kind of get that, but I think um, in the larger cosmos, cosmos, whatever, the larger, bigger picture of the movie. Um, <laughs> looking at the, the race politics and it's trying to um, exhibit is that all the other people might be how racism is, racism is seen in America. And then the blind man might be the person who says, well, I'm colorblind. I don't see color, which isn't really helpful to the yeah. situation because well, I still am black and you, I have a different struggle and a different life than you because clearly this guy in the end is just, wants his eyes regardless he's like i don't see color i just want your eyes that's like his last line to chris yeah i just want well that doesn't really help me i don't feel like i'm not on your side man you're taking my brain and my eyes so yeah i wanted to bring up two two things one backtracking to the beginning where um you see like a mysterious man walking in the neighborhood and 
like he's the opening like, scene. Yeah, the opening scene. Okay. And then he's just like making cracking jokes. He's like, not today. Like he's just like, I don't know, I just thought it was pretty funny. And he just turns around. And then like, you know, you're try- he seems like he's subverting the horror formula where like mm-hmm. the black man's not the first one to go. But then it turns out it kind of is. Is that same guy, <clears throat> do we see him later brainwashed with like a little like weird top hat? And he's acting like he's from, like, the 50s. Yes. Um, that's Logan, right? He's married yeah. to someone who's like looks a lot older than him. Um, yeah, because... No, go on. I, go ahead. Oh, you're done? Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't... I think, like, I just, like... He just seems so different in... Mm-hmm. Uh, this Like, the second time we see him, or if it was just, like, maybe someone who's... A totally different character, and I, w- I was wondering if you guys thought it was the same person because, like, it was a connection to before, and like the you see, you find out that that's how. There's even more spoilers that like that's how the brother, um, kidnaps people to bring into the fold of things. That he's like pretty aggressive, and he like hides his identity and like uses his like I guess martial arts skills to subdue yeah. people to to bring in or like. And then uh, so, someone else in the movie has different methods. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, when they're at the auction, which they don't know it's an auction yet, but uh, when Chris takes like a photo of uh, Logan, you know, he like, Logan freaks out and I guess he figures out like later on it's like the phone flash that awakens the host mm-hmm. and that body. And then, you know, that's whole like, the whole uh, get out, you know, um, comes from, you know. Uh, but yeah, I believe that is Andre, and that's how they like piece that together eventually. Him and his other friend, uh, Rod, was it? Yeah. Uh, okay. The TSA the officer. TSA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great that's character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> He's so funny. <laughs> and then uh, the other characters I wanted to bring up, uh, kind of deeper dive into more spoilers because we haven't fully spoiled it but i feel like this one kind of does we're like the two servants uh like that are i guess oh, yeah. that are working for the family um i can't remember their names georgina, georgina. Ge- yeah. yeah yeah that's um um and how they have the grandparents brains <clears throat> but then you see them like kind of have like a st- internal struggle struggle um especially with georgina where you see She's saying, oh, everything's fine, but then you, like, see her crying, and you're like, whoa, this seems, like, really fucked up, because I have no idea what's going on, and I wonder mm-hmm. if that's, like, if she's still, like, because they're lobotomized, but I feel like they still f- have their basic emotions there, and, like, know that they're in trouble, yeah. and, but they have their grandparents' brains, so that's why they're acting so strange, and, like, don't know how to act, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or act or act differently. I, I should say, because then, like, uh, later in the movie, like when the grandfather like breaks, like you said with the flash, like he has a total different reaction when, like, he just kills himself when the, all things are done. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if he was like, if the flash like fully was there or like. He just knew like the basics things that he just didn't want to live in there because live anymore because 
he was just like suffering for so long by being not a part of his body. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, to, to your to your point, Pete, about you're saying like Georgina was like crying and like really struggling when he was talking about like his phone being unplugged and like did did you mm-hmm. touch it or whatever because no one else is in here. Um, what I read, Jordan Peele said the sunken place, which is where. I don't know if we talked about that. That's like, it's a scene where Chris is hypnotized by the mother and he kind of like is falling back into like this black void, but his body's still in the chair. And it's meant to like represent his consciousness is like away from his body. Yeah. What Jordan Peele was saying that is what he wanted is like the idea of being marginalized in society is like your body is there, the mold of your body, but um, like totally consciously you're not. I guess I don't know being one with yourself you're you're vulnerable you feel powerless sort of a situation and I think that's just what he's trying to represent with the sunken place and maybe those characters is that they still are there like consciously but they just don't have all the power and the wherewithal to to break through so yeah yeah Yeah. that's how the mom like gets all these people to be the victims that they are i guess i don't know like that's the goal you know that's she almost had chris i don't know if that was her goal like that night to like have him be lobotomized or you know but i I don't i don't know i don't know what i'm trying to say but she almost had him is what i'm trying to say yeah rose's mother yeah missy yeah yeah she used her little teacup yeah. and her silver spoon. It was basically the triggering mechanism. Yes. And I don't know if the silver spoon means anything, which is what hypnotized him, but I could be extrapolating symbolism there. But it was... I mean, I feel like it's with a purpose because, like, the saying and then that these people are rich, yeah. I feel like it's kind of – it goes hand in hand. And then, like, um, I watched this with my girlfriend, and then she was, like, noticed in the beginning – how like the house kind of looks like a plantation house because it's got like weird pillars and I just like didn't even think about that and I wonder if like that was like kind of like an early warning sign of like what things were going to be yeah mm-hmm. yeah that was intentional I'm sure yeah <clears throat> yeah I think uh, I, I was trying to because I saw it in theaters and I watched it again for the podcast I was trying to find out like scenes where I w- if I really paid attention, I could be like, oh, this family isn't what they say they are. When is the first instance, really, that you get a you get a clue? And one of the first ones I, I can think of is when they're driving to the house and they hit the deer on the way there. And Rose is trying... The officer asks for Chris's ID. And she's like, why do you need yeah. his ID? And you kind of seem it kind of seems like she's defending him, like he wasn't driving. You don't need to see his ID. Here's my ID, like she's defending him. But upon second viewing, I think it's just she doesn't want a paper trail leading back to that Chris was here at the house because she knows yeah. it's going to happen too. Oh man, I yeah. didn't even. Think I didn't about either, that. but then I read it and I was like, oh, that makes sense. Right? Yeah. yeah like, and there's got to be even before that. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the first instances. Yeah, that's a really early sign because it, like it's hidden by yeah. her trying to protect him. Yeah, and like I, I almost like would think that like everything is like pretty like subtle and like what I brought up earlier is where the brother kind of makes it 
to where it's not so subtle anymore. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> sure. Like, uh, yeah. what was I going to say? I oh. forgot. <laughs> um, I brought up a lot of symbolism, but I want to get your guys' take on this because it really bothered, didn't bother me, but I was intrigued by it on every viewing, and I finally did some like research and, and, and looking into it. But the deer. Did you there, it's clearly had to mean something because they hit the deer and he stares at it. Chris stares at that deer for the longest time. And then there's when he is in the basement, there's a deer overlooking him on the wall. And then when he, mm. spoiler alert, I guess, he, he kills the father character, it's with the deer. Mm. So w- what were your guys' thoughts on <laughs> the deer in this film? Well, the use of pretty deer. much well, every time we saw a deer, like I just, you know, foreshadows that something bad is going to happen. So, I don't know. That's the short yeah. answer, I guess. Take it away, Peter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I never thought of it before, but now that you brought it to my attention, I'm kind of thinking that, like, since, like, deer are, like, usually hunted, and, like, Chris was, like, being hunted, and then he kind of used the deer as like a way to stop being hunted. I don't know. It's kind of like, and I'm trying to, I mean, I guess I'm grasping at straws here. No, that's not <laughs> I mean, that's a, like accurate. Yeah. That's, that's what I would have thought is because, I mean, he kind of was, he was being hunted and the, and the dad made a comment about, I wish all deer would be, they're just pests. I wish they'd be eliminated, but he has them hanging up in his house still kind of like, Oh yeah. So yeah. like kind of, I guess there's the connection between Chris and the deer is like, that's how they see Chris is, you know, there are these pests, but we have them on display, sort of a thing. We, um, I don't know, some sort of trophy animal thing. But also, I listened to Jordan Peele talk about it, and his reasoning was when they hit the deer and Chris stares at it, it's meant to be his guilt for his mother's passing. Mm. Because mm. for the listener, um, it's one of the things why he started smoking cigarettes. Um, uh, the deep trauma was when he was a kid, his mother got in a car accident and she wasn't home and he just sat there and watched TV, didn't make the call because he was really just stuck in fear and she passed away and he blames himself for her death. So that's him, his guilt of his mother's death is that deer. And so then I think him killing the father at the end is him kind of getting over his guilt and his regret and and really moving forward, using that to get him out of the situation. Okay, yeah. When, like, I still wasn't entirely sure what was going on when the, on the first viewing, where, like, the mom was, like, doing, like, weird methods of, like, therapy, as she calls it. Yeah. Where she was just, like, oh, yeah, like, oh, you didn't call, like, kind of, like, mm-hmm. making him feel worse. I'm just, like, he's, like, fucking, yeah. like, six years old. Like, what like, do you expect Kind of manipulating him. him. Like, he, he's, mm. yeah, and I was, like, he's watching TV. I feel like that's a very regular response mm-hmm. for a six-year-old to do when they're just like sad and like don't know where the parents are they're just like trying to pretend like things are back to normal i was like that's a very reasonable yeah. thing to do yeah agreed yeah she was trying to make him yeah, feel bad about it but he's a kid he's a little kid he's no better you guys want to talk about the score and you sent us a link earlier and oh yeah it kind of summed up the movie really well Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how. I'm. I got a plan right now, actually.
I don't know if you guys are oh, listening to it, but yeah, I really enjoyed the score of this movie. I don't think it gets more perfect than that. It's like so like yeah. creepy and sinister, and when you find out like what it means, like it's just so perfect for it. Which uh, yeah. Which, doesn't it, like, mean, like, you know, run away, like, follow your ancestors or something? Is that what you guys... I, yeah, I, I looked that up, and I believe it's like that. It's like, listen to your uh, ancestors, get out, run yes. away, sort of a thing. Yeah, like, it's a foreshadowing song of you're, you're going towards danger. And even the, the melody, kind of, even dealing with the lyrics, um, kind of give you that eerie mm-hmm. feeling. Completely. Which uh, Jordan Peele? This I, I thought the guy who did the soundtrack had not done a movie before. Maybe not, he, that could be wrong. It was like his first movie soundtrack, and Jordan Peele wanted there to be like black musical references. Um, like Childish Gambino is earlier um, in, the, in the movie. It's like yeah. a very um, black soundtrack, but he wanted the theme also to have like a, a black musical references, but not like voodoo. He said so there's like blues, and I think it was Swahili. Like influences in this uh, soundtrack. I can see that. It's like kind of like, I guess like that's blues. I was gonna say like kind of like forties, like music. Or you could see it like of that era. Yeah. Influenced and then I want. I guess that makes sense. He didn't want it to be voodoo too, because it's like that. I got nothing to really do with the movie. Yeah. But I think voodoo would like conjure up that eerie feeling, or sure. that like, yeah. Scare, like, yeah, I guess that that om- ominous atmosphere. And it, as you said, it wouldn't really fit the movie, so he wanted to divert away from that. And then I don't know if you, we could talk about the ending um, a little bit, but then I also wanted to bring up: Have you guys watched or heard about the alternative ending to this movie? Uh. I yeah, heard about it was supposed it. to be like a lot kind of more grim, I think, with uh, Chris ending up in jail. Yes. Yeah, it's like a complete, yeah, it's a complete different feel movie, the alternative mm-hmm. ending. But I guess we can talk about it if you guys haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah. Well, from my response, like, for, like especially first feeling, like when I see the cop rolling in when he's like choking um i i guess i would be appropriate to say his ex-girlfriend yeah <laughs> um to death and then you see a cop roll up and then you're like yeah oh man <laughs> this doesn't look good yeah. <laughs> and then she's just like help me officer and i was like fuck <laughs> you bitch mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and then uh and then i know the alternative ending he was like it was actually supposed to be like a real cop and he was supposed to get arrested, and then I thought it like was with test audiences, and the test audiences okay. like hated it. Is that the reason? I think is what it. it was. And then, and then like since they hated it, uh, John Peel changed it to like his TSA friend, like actually coming to the rescue, mm-hmm. and just saying some great lines from the movie, obviously as he always yeah. does. We even talk about that phone call, but uh, back to the, where he just come, he's like. TSA just like gets shit done. I just thought that was really funny, mm-hmm. and he just drives <laughs> away. <laughs> yeah, it was like a really cathartic moment when he's like, "How'd you 
know where I was. He's like, TSA gets shit done or something like that. Kind of relieve that tension of everything mm-hmm. that was just happening at the end. That's pretty much what his character was yeah. like, as a whole, was the kind of relief. Mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah, I I totally saw Jordan Peele. Like, I feel like he wrote that character for him. I feel like Jordan Peele could have played that character. Oh, like, definitely. That, that would have been him. Mm-hmm. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the, the scene where he's like on the phone. Uh, with what's the girlfriend's name? I don't even remember. Rose, thank you. Um, Where he's like, I'm gonna record this bitch. She's gonna say something (laughs) because she talks too much. And then like she manipulates him to like, yeah, because you wanna fuck me. He's like, what are you? What are you talking about? And and he just like hangs up in rage. And he's like, oh wait, she's a genius. (laughs) And I was, I just thought that was so funny. (laughs) He was great. Yeah. Yep, and I was gonna say like a subtle thing. Like I remember when that movie came out, there was like more points of like I think subtle racism where she eats her Fruit Loops and milk separately. Where she that's the scariest point in the whole movie. Yeah, Yeah, I was like, who the? I was like, why are you doing that? That's weird. She's in like that all white outfit, like a white turtleneck and everything. Yeah. Yeah, and she's like looking up like. Like black people's profiles Top or something. NCAA prospects or NBA prospects. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, is oh, that what it was? Crazy. <laughs> She's the worst. But she's not dead, as far as we know. She didn't die. She was just bleeding. Yeah, she's bleeding out, and uh, there have been talks of a sequel. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what comes of that. Nothing in the works, but. Jordan Peele, I know, is, said he'd be interested. I much rather see him like still do uh, like another horror interpretation for himself, like just a, a whole new story. I feel, I mean, I feel like a sequel could work at some point, but I rather his second movie be like mm-hmm. something else. I don't know, just trying trying to get him a venture, so he's not stuck like with a Get Out franchise. I don't know, I, like I want to see what else he could do with horror because. His first entry, I see as a success, and they wanted him to have more like free reign into like what he comes up with next, and being strapped down to a sequel. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. And when this first came out, I remember him talking about he'd love to do a series of like societal um, horrors or re- realistic mm-hmm. horrors and make them a horror film, not just like a Get Out franchise, as you said. So I'd be interested in that, like maybe like this weird sort of collection of movies that aren't a franchise of Get Out, have but like they have a, a similar thread. Kind of like a a Judd Carpenter situation, where um, not like Halloween, but like he's got like the Thing, and then he's got like the Mouth of Madness. I think is like there's like three movies that are like kind of connected yeah. because of their themes. Mm-hmm. I feel like is like probably the best way for to describe that. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> I guess Mouth of Madness wouldn't actually be that because that's I think that's like Lovecraft isn't it? Beats me I, I don't know off the top of my head to be honest Yeah there's like there's like three movies he does it's like I think it's The Thing and then I think the other one is 
uh, Prince of Darkness. Prince of Darkness. And yeah. there's like an another one that's like kind of like attached to those. Yeah. But never mind. That's <laughs> not the point. <laughs> Get out. I was like, wait. I was like, wait. What? What is that yeah. movie? <laughs> well, I see that we're running up there a bit on time. We can get sort of into any trivia anybody knows about the production, or you know, box office reception. How did critics take it? Things of that nature. I mean, as we know, for reception, it did very well. It was like highly relate, highly rated on Rotten Tomatoes for a while. It was at hundred percent, and I remember uh, someone like. And you had like the troll view, uh, <laughs> reviewers come in and knock it from 100 mm-hmm. to like 99 or whatever. I believe it's still at 99. Yeah. I think it is. Yeah. I remember that when that happened. Like they, like of course you're gonna have someone who doesn't like it. But then I feel like a lot of it was like either like trolling. It was hard to judge like mm-hmm. like why they disliked it. And, like if you dislike it, that's fine. But it kind of seemed like. They were attacking it because yeah, they had 100%. Because, like, like, no one likes, like, oh, how does it have yeah. 100%? It's not the Godfather. <laughs> it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. I think for... Yeah, no. Sorry, go ahead, Matt. Oh, no, no, go I ahead. I should say, in terms no, of box no. office, it was something like $175.5 million in the USA and Canada. So, it was a very huge success, commercially and critically. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it didn't have a huge budget, right? No, for, I don't think so. Not to, not to that scale, right. no way. Yeah. No. And then it was no. in the top ten for the U.S. box office for like two months, so it was around for a while. Yeah, uh-huh. that movie made a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, people, I feel like it spread a lot by word of mouth. Like, people, after they saw mm-hmm. it, it was, they were talking about it. And I remember Chance the Rapper bought a, like a, Bought out a, a theater in Chicago. Yeah, or yeah, he so did. Go yeah, he it. did. All they had to do was go and like show their ID, and they could go see Get Out. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was yeah. cool. Yeah. And then uh, obviously we were speaking about this before we were recording. Is that like it's like nominated for a Golden Globe, and then now we're time stamping it because yeah. we don't know <laughs> the outcome of that one or not. <laughs> yeah, but it's nominated. Yeah, for best motion picture, but in a musical or comedy, and yeah, that's the yeah. controversy yeah, of that. Yeah, and best lead actor in a musical or comedy. It's okay. <laughs> I remember someone's making a comparison where like The Martian was also in that care. I know it's a totally different movie, but I was like, that movie yeah, is like not a comedy. It also was nominated in that field, and yeah. And I was like, "What?" I was like, "What the hell is the Golden Globes doing? Like, maybe they should just like eliminate mm-hmm. the genre thing. Like, it's just like maybe just have like a best picture, maybe just to make it easier because you're getting these movies that aren't in these genres that are being nominated yeah. in that genre. Eliminating. Well, I think they only have best motion picture and then musical or comedy, which seems weird. Why have the musical or comedy if you yeah just blanket it or have one for every genre? Because yeah. Yeah, run into confusion. Well, is there one for like? Is there one for drama and and then the other thing is comedy or musical? Is that what it I is? I would assume so. Best drama is like the best picture or best motion picture, and then musical or comedy. I don't know. Seems weird. Because <laughs> it's more it's more of a drama, even though it's like not. It's more a drama than a comedy. 
Yeah, I mean, it has funny like funny characters and funny scenes, but it probably is the same yeah. amount it would be in a drama. Like, even a drama has yeah, like, com- comedy relief. Comedy moments. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And we haven't heard about Oscar nominations yet, timestamp. But I'll go on record. Hopefully I'm not wrong. <laughs> I hope, I think it's Daniel, uh, I think it's Kalua or Kaluye is his last name. That's who play, played Chris. I'd like to see him nominated for Best Actor. Yeah. Because I think he really helped sell the film. I thought he was... Yeah, he was yeah. phenomenal. For someone who's also not was, like maybe a household yeah. name, like Daniel Day-Lewis will probably get nominated or something like that for Phantom Thread, but I think he sold this movie. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely... Because I don't know what other experience he has besides Black Mirror, because that's the only thing I've seen him in. He was in Kick-Ass 2, um, and one other thing, but... Yeah, this was pretty much his... Yeah. He's got good acting chops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot more that we can see from him. Is there... Looking forward to that. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Well, if we were talking, you know, trivia or whatnot, we're at that time in the podcast, but there was a horror reference. I mean, I'll ask my question first before I have my little Easter egg, but. To you okay. guys, what maybe subgenre of horror does this fall in? And does it like remind you of any horror movies like in the past that it kind of maybe had influence influences no. from? That's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um I could see I feel like I I just don't know like how to categorize it in any subgenre of horror. It's like pretty hard because it's kind of like multiple genres because it's it is very dramatic but also got comedy elements and it's not too gratuitous until the end. So you can't really call it like a splatter flick. You can't call it a slasher. Um, but it's got like political um, themes, like jo- like early George A. Romero films. I thought were like an influence because he, like his first three films have like were very influenced by like like the political times that he mm-hmm. was in like Night of the Living Dead and the Crazies had like a political angle and this movie called Martin that he did also was sure. political I saw as in like even though it's not directly influenced I could see like oh I'm going to express these political things that are happening in our world through horror so I thought that was an inspiration. Yeah. Honestly, this movie is not like anything I've ever seen before, so I'm not really having any blast from the past coming to mind. But, uh, yeah, I just thought it was very, like, wonderfully original. And, yeah, I can't really compare it to anything else that I've seen, personally. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough to put it even in a subgenre. As I asked, because I, mm-hmm. I I can't either. I just was wondering because we 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 try to do that, but it kind of blends a few, and it, it's almost even like a thriller drama at times. So, because it mixes so many other previous things that have come before it, like it, like he took like themes that he probably enjoyed from previous movies. I'm sure I remember someone saying it was like skeleton key but i've also never seen that movie so i didn't know how to compare that it, it kind of is because of the elements of it's more like voodoo magic i believe but they take the spirits 
just to stay young, they take the spirits of like a caretaker, put it in, and they're like in old bodies, kind of like the grandparents. Uh, Bring in young caretakers, mm. put their souls in their body, and then put them back, put the person's soul they took in back into the old body so they'll die sooner, sort of a thing. In that respect, it gotcha. has a similar quality, but um, in terms of like feel, maybe like the Stepford Wives, I got. Um, also, yeah. uh, I, I saw people talking about being John Malkovich with the sunken place. <laughs> and Jordan Peele said he talked to uh, Spike Jones about that and using the sunken place. And uh, but Spike Jones had a good kick out of that that he was going to try to incorporate that into his film. That's really funny. Yeah. yeah. So that's all I could think of. And as for subgenres, I can't really name one, but it kind of falls. I don't know. Almost like House of the Devil ish. Not like the gore, but like the, those cult movies or like. Whatever we would yeah. term those cult or like secret society movies where something like needs to serve. And there's like thriller. Like thriller is like mm-hmm. a blanket statement. I feel like it could easily yeah. fall under yeah. that. Yeah. All right. And then we can wrap this up pretty soon. Or I can edit, <clears throat> I can edit this out and post. Yeah. Um, the magic of editing. But the Easter egg I was going to bring up for horror fans, if they caught it, or I can drop an an egg of knowledge is when Chris, I think it's towards the beginning calls Rod and he's at the airport. You hear over the intercom flight two thirty seven um, is coming into land or whatever. It's, it's, oh, shining. Yeah, it's shining. Yeah. I remember. I remember yeah, that actually. Mm-hmm. So that was a little horror nod that I found in the movie. That's some good stuff. And that's the original room number from the book because they changed i think they changed the the room right the, the book is 237 but the book yeah, yeah i believe it's like 313 yeah oh so is like, it okay he took it yeah he changed it for some hidden symbolic symbolic meaning i'm sure kubrick but there's some crazy documentary about it and they are okay. really into that they're really into yeah, the shining, those people. Room 237, it's on Netflix. <laughs> they get real in-depth with that movie. <laughs> yeah. All right. And before I wrap it up with my spiel, um, I thought one last little nugget um, of symbolism that was interesting was when Chris is downstairs and he's locked in the chair. And to, to get himself out, he, he continually is being hypnotized by the teacup. Um, knocking him out and putting him in the sunken mm-hmm. place. Well, to block from hearing that sound, he pulls out uh, cotton from yes. the chair and plock, puts it in his ear. Yeah. I thought that was some interesting irony into the film that it was cotton that freedom picking the cotton. Mm. Yeah, that was yeah. really clever. Mm-hmm. All right, now we come to everybody's favorite section of the podcast, um, Defend or Destroy uh, for the movie Get Out. Does anyone want to get the ball rolling here? Anybody have any really guttural feelings about this film that they need to get off their chest? <laughs> Sounds like you do, Matt. I'm amped. Right, yeah, I'm really amped about this movie. Uh, you sound you sound amped. I'm t- I'll take it you away. Cannot, you cannot be any more amped right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm literally jazzed. Mainly on coffee, but also on this movie. Um, I'll take it first. I'll defend it. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed this film. 
I really didn't know what I was going to get when I first uh, saw it, uh, especially with like Jordan Peele writing and directing it. Um, this like psychological thriller horror, but I think it was really well done. It was a really well crafted story. Uh, it was acted very well, and it was very um, subtle in its themes and its uh, symbolism. And I think it still sits with people after they leave the theater, and there's still things you might have missed that have um, deeper contextual meanings. Um, so overall, I defend this movie full-heartedly, hence why it also got nominated for an Oscar. But I'll leave it at that. <laughs> well, I'm with you on the defend. I'm going to defend this movie all the way. Um, I don't think there's anything else out there that's quite like this. Um, it seems pretty rare to me these days to see a new and totally original movie, but I think that uh, Jordan Peele has done that successfully with Get Out, and I definitely want to see more from him in the near future for sure. Yeah, same. Definitely. Peter, what you thinking? Obviously, <laughs> Obviously I also defended. Uh, I don't really have anything else to add besides that, like, that has already been said. It's like a really good movie. And if you don't like it, you're probably a contrarian and you suck. Well <laughs> no, whatever. Yeah, if you don't like it, whatever. I like it, and that's what matters. This is my podcast. <laughs> oh, that's true. We got a unanimous uh, defend from the It Records podcast. So if you haven't seen it, uh, go check it out. It's on HBO right now if you have HBO. Otherwise, you can rent it from wherever. Um, buy it. Or buy it. Yeah, you can purchase it. But we live in the the generation of streaming, Pete. Everybody just streams everything now. I was going to say I bought it, but then I actually did not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is worth the buy, and I, I may do it. But um, that concludes this episode of the It Records podcast. Um, let us know what you're thinking. We have a website now. It's up and running. Uh, we have Twitter and Facebook where you guys, you guys can get at us. Let us know what mini-episodes you want to see or what movies you want us to see in the future that we will talk about you want to hear us rant about and ramble. Um, but yeah, uh, we look forward to hearing from you, and we'll be back. Uh, but until then, until we're back, I'm Matt Johnson, and I'll, I'll be in the shadows. That's where I'll be. I'm Peter, and I get shit done. Uh, <laughs> I'm Lindsay, and I'm at a loss for words. <laughs>